welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Uh, it's really great to see us, and um, oh, it's good to see you too, Andrew. Brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? I know it's really distracting, and uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, we were away this weekend. Do you know why last year I had to buy a caravan? Well, we didn't manage to get rid of it, so I ended up in it on Friday night, which was okay. It was funny though, right? We're in this place called Glen Arif, which is absolutely stunningly beautiful. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, God's own country up there, you know what I mean? Near Balamina, hey. And, uh, well, it's actually match, but hey, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's funny, you know, you know how you, you actually, Penny and I, this July, I think it's the 28th, I hope, round about then, we've been, well, it's our 25th wedding anniversary. I know it's hard to believe, hard to believe, woohoo, and um, all the rest of it. But it was funny because even like on Friday night, we, you, you, you kind of learn something about each other, even at this stage. It's funny. But it was a lesson for Penny, right? I just want to clear this up with the men, with the men in the house, right? Because I am going to say there is, a, there is a tenuous link into the word this morning, all right? So if you're sitting here going, what is he talking about? Um, because you learn, something, you learn something new every time you come to the word, boom, boom, something like that. But... Um, I, I went for a shower in the evening, you know, because he's setting up the caravan, all that kind of man work. And um, so I thought I needed a shower, right? So I don't know about, I don't, you know, man, we're, I got back from having a shower and I was, it was like a new pin. And Penny said to me, you smell lovely. <laughs> and I said it was uh, something blossom body wash. <laughs> Who knows? You get into the shower, it's like potluck, isn't it? And she said, did you not use shampoo? And I said, well, there was none. So I just used body wash. Was it in there? I didn't see it. So, um, so I just used body wash. She said, how could you not use shampoo? And I said, because I use body wash. It's kind of the same thing, really, isn't it? She went, oh, how can you do that to your hair? I went, Penny, we have been... I said, we've been married for 25 years, love. You need to know something. I th- but I think it's a man thing. I think, how do we choose shampoo? Simply, it says shampoo on it. <laughs> right or wrong? I've never picked up a bottle of shampoo and gone, oh, here, that'll get right to my roots and do my colour right and well. <laughs> Penny, why are you buying this muck? Do you not think I need everyday volumizer? <laughs> if it says wash, body, shampoo's a bonus, love. Honestly. Anyone? Men, come on. Mark Donnelly's going, absolutely. <laughs> That's funny, though. I mean, it was just a total shock. You mean you don't? And I go, of course I don't. Just lather it on and go for it. Anyway, men, are you with me on that or am I just completely out on a limb right now? Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and he was horrified. He was like, oh, I can't believe you do that to your hair. I'm going, after 25 years, you don't realize this? It's funny, isn't it? But every time, are you expectant for the word this morning? Can I ask you a question? Check in. How expectant are you that you're going to receive a word this morning that is going to change your life, change your circumstances, change your view, and leave you walking out of here better for the fact that you were in the house of God this morning? Yes? Amen. Good. Because because I I, I want you to be expectant. I think you need to be expectant uh, because when you... When you come to, to the Word, when we come to the, the Word of God and the truth of grace that we're going to hear this morning, you know, it's like the only people that Jesus couldn't help were the people who just didn't want to be helped. Do you get that? Even if the door's open a little bit, then the Lord is really good and he'll honor 
all the words that he speaks over your life. But if you sit there and I guess going, what time's Creflo on at the day? Because he's rubbish. See your man there, like seriously. Creflo's preaching well at the minute. That's, that's what blesses me the most <laughs> when you preach. <laughs> There's always one comes up and goes, do you hear the way Creflo preached that chapter recently? And you go, no, it didn't actually. Run into them. <laughs> It's good, isn't it? If you're a visitor this morning, this is me just getting warmed up. Buckle your seatbelts, all right? Because, but you're going to receive a word of grace this morning, but be expecting for the Lord to speak to you because I know for all of us, we walk into here this morning carrying all sorts of stuff that nobody else knows about, weights and burdens and worries and fears and all sorts of stuff, hope and expectation and excitement and everything in between from here to here, right? And so, I want to encourage you that the word, that when Jesus is the word, and when you read the word, you're reading actually Jesus himself kind of emboldening, emboldening you. That's a hard word to say at this time of the day. I'm filling you again and giving you hope that your best days are still to come, all right? So have an expectant and a heart that is going, come on, Lord, let's see this word do its stuff in my life. Because we, we've been looking at it, we've been saying it in this series on Luke. Uh, today I want to talk about every chain broken, how Jesus, after he comes back, remember I said in terms of temptation, this picture of Jesus as the ox, the one who is the perfect sacrifice. And because he's a perfect sacrifice, what that means is that everything that is due to you, every burden in life is lifted by the one who has paid the price. In Matthew 11, um, 28 to 30 in the message version, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me, the Lord says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. That was a couple of weeks ago. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Now, what I want to do is I want to almost, um, in Luke chapter 4, I know that you're all Bible scholars, right? So you're going, yeah, we know what happens next. Jesus is taken, um, you know, after, after the temptation where he, he breaks uh, that thing of the second Adam, he first Adam all about self and, and finding everything that he needs, um, you know, in, in his own effort, that is broken. And now we, we start to see, right, from that place, uh, you need to follow the sequence in here, in your life, all right? What the Lord has designed for you and the purpose that he's given for you is way more than just you, right? I know that we come to the word this morning expectant for ourselves. Go, Lord, I need a word. I need an encouragement. And I understand that and the Lord understands it even better. And what we're gonna find is that that the sequence here is after the temptation, right? In terms of me and me and what I need, after the temptation, Jesus is gonna lay out his manifesto, if you like. And it's, and if you capture his heart for it, then it'll bring the greatest amount of freedom into your life, as well as the, the people around you. There's a huge lesson from us that confronts us right at the start, and we all struggle with it. It's the tension of, Lord, I want to find freedom. I want to find breakthrough. I want to live with purpose. You know, I feel like there's so much more to me, but I can't just get past this thing that's big in my own life. It's, a, you know, like, how, how do I believe for more when I can't overcome this thing? And I haven't seen you work in this thing. And there's a word of grace for you this morning in that. So, but I think you're gonna have to open your mind, your heart a little bit to, to be encouraged, dash challenged as to what Jesus actually does here because there's tons of grace in it. Are we good for that? So shall we actually read from Luke? And uh, it's from Luke chapter four. We're gonna start at verse 14. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. This is after the temptation to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all of the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. 
Jesus rejected at Nazareth, and he came to Nazareth and, uh, where he had been brought up. And this, as this was the custom, now this is brilliant, this stuff, right? He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. I'm going to explain this in a minute. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who have been oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The imagery in this is, is magnificent, all right? What Jesus is doing. He is so, uh, uh, do you know, they get so cross with him at this point that after this, they try to kill him. And we kind of go, what? all he did was read from the prophet Isaiah. Why would that make somebody want to kill, you, kill him? Because he reads from the prophet. Well, let's, we'll go in and have a look at it. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture, everything I've just read, has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, there's so many layers to this. I get so excited by this particular verse, right? It's actually on our wall as you walk in here. Spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Some of you might be going, I, I, you know, this has not been fulfilled in my life. I haven't seen this yet. My physical eyes have not laid sight on the goodness of God being manifest in my situation. But yet the Lord says to you, today, everything that you need has been fulfilled. You might not see it yet, but as far as I am concerned, I have fulfilled everything that you need. Somebody say amen this morning. All right, that's good news for you. You might not have seen it, church. You might not be walking in it, but as far as he's concerned, it's a done deal. It's not the question of will I see, it's when am I gonna see. That's good news, right? Now, let, let, let me go on. Now, let me start at the end. We, if we go all the way down to verse 38, right? It says that... Um, you know, they experience the truth after he says this. He demonstrates the power of God. The demonic are healed. And Simon's mother-in-law is healed, right? It actually says in verse 38, he laid his hands on everyone. After he says this stuff, and I'm going to unpack it for you, he, he, he lays his hands on people and they're healed. Simon's mother-in-law is one of them. Now, what's interesting here in verse 42, let me just, I want to drop this point in because I can't get to it unless I do it at the start, right? Because I'll run out of time. In verse, so what happens is they encounter this Jesus, this grace-filled Messiah in front of them. And he's not laying heavy burdens on them. He's, he's showing them how to encounter the goodness of God. He's not condemning them, as Adam said this morning, but he's bringing life and freedom and saying, over you, as he says over you this morning, there is no shame in your life, no guilt given to you by God. He is the one who breaks every chain in your life. And they love it. Did it. Can you remember the first time you heard unequivocally that your performance, that your actions, what you do and what you don't do, didn't matter one bit to how much God loved you because that was grace? Did anyone, can anyone remember those moments? Can anyone remember the freedom that you felt at that time to go, what do you mean? God's not angry. God's not upset. This turn or burn repent stuff, when, at the moment whenever I gave my life to Christ, and I gave him all of my mess and received, became a new creation in God. From that moment, he's loved me perfectly and completely. And I am as perfect now as I will be forever in eternity. Somebody say that was good news to you. 
That's the gospel of God's grace. He loved you first. He doesn't need to make you sick. He doesn't need to keep you poor. He doesn't need to keep you downtrodden. He doesn't make you feel guilty. That is your consciousness condemning you and the devil himself. But there is nothing in the heart of God to keep his people down. He doesn't need to beat you to teach you. Do you get me? That's the gospel. Isn't it amazing? Can you imagine in these days when there have been hundreds of years of, of, of sitting under not just the religious rule, of the day, but also the, um, the, the rule they find themselves under the Romans here. They would have been going, holy smokes, this is amazing. Everything that we've longed for, the freedom that we've longed for, Jesus is coming now to, to bring that to us. And do you know what happens? They start to see it. They start to see people being healed. And what do they do? Verse 42, listen to this. They would have kept him from leaving them. This is what happens Let's not make the mistake as we start off today making the same mistake that they did. They had not broken through self and selfishness. They wanted, they saw Jesus performing either for themselves, right? I'm sure, I'm sure Simon, he was probably conflicted, wasn't he? Heal my mother-in-law. Oh, okay. That was a joke. All right. And, uh, right. Heal her, but not too much. You know what I mean? Just, that's a joke. That is a joke. Right. Um, <laughs> But you start, to, you start to feel, you start to feel and, and hear God and say, oh God, this is amazing, just give me more. Oh, just give me some more of that. And I need more grace because Lord, see the stuff that's going on in my life, you need more grace for that. Jesus, I just need a wee touch from you right now because I don't know how I can do this. I can't get through a week without a wee touch from you. Jesus, Jesus, it's almost like Jesus becomes my wee rabbit's foot that I keep for myself. They did it when they experienced for the first time the freedom that grace brings. Church, I want to encourage you week after week after week, that the message of God's grace, the greatest freedom you will find is not just in your own breakthrough, but when you reach to see that grace explode in somebody else's life. We are called for a purpose. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He didn't look at one person and go, I've, I've just, you know, I've come for you. And, you know, and, and although he does come for the individual, but he was going, this is the message that's gonna change the world. It's going to change your families. It's going to change your environments. It's going to change the places where you work. So don't keep it for yourself. They would have kept him from leaving them. You know, have you done that ever? That's why I'm asking you, are you expectant? And most of us are expecting for our own breakthroughs. Where's our level of expectation in these days? Because see what Jesus is going to talk about? It is a message that will turn this country on its head, upside down, inside out. People will not know whether they are stuffed or mounted when they encounter the grace of God. Yeah. Do you get that? People who are tired and burned out, not just on religion, but on life, trying their best. God love them, trying their best. But trying our best doesn't work. The challenges that we all face today, our own effort doesn't work. At some point, there's a reckoning and things unravel. I've been blessed. Have you ever said, I've been blessed. I've received God's good to me, but yet not moved to the place where we go, and now what you've given me, let me give it to you. The lie is, I'll tell you, it's, it's called a lack mentality. Remember we talk about lack, and what do we normally do? We talk about lack in terms of our finances and provision, but a lack mentality looks like this. If I take what God has given me or whatever is good in my life, right, in the act of sharing it, I become, I become then in deficit. What I have given 
has now cost me. And so the thing to do is to hold on to it so that you don't find a hole left behind. Does that make sense? Actually, the Lord is an abundant God. Jesus is a God who is full of abundance. His goodness and his mercy never fail. They never run out. He oversupplies. And here's the interesting thing. The more that you give and the more that you flow in God's grace to those around you, the more you receive as he pours in. You will never outgive God. Do you hear me? You try your best, knock yourselves out and go for it. But as you show love and grace and favor and courage and boldness to speak and pray and invite and do all of those things that, that we want to see breakthrough in people's lives, just watch what God pours into you. You will never outgive God. When it comes to your finance, don't believe that when you sow that you're in deficit. He sees everything. Nothing escapes his attention. And as you flow in generosity, God pours into you. But when you hold it up like this and you take the weight back on your own shoulders, then it's up for you to figure it out. If you rest, he will work for you. But what he will not do is cut across self. If you self-will to hold the weight yourself, he will let you do it. Do you understand that, church? That's why we set our hope fully, it says in 1 Peter, onto the grace that comes as Jesus is revealed. Set your hope fully on him. And so when you go, I can't do that because, I can't share because, I can't bring, I can't invite, because it's just about me and my breakthrough, right? Jesus actually confronts, confronts that thinking in them in verse 43. He goes, he sees they would have kept him. They would have kept him from leaving them. Like, stay with me, Jesus. And verse 43, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the others. For it was this purpose for which I was sent. It was this purpose. I can't just be shrunk to the level of your need because I was for a bigger purpose. Amen? Now listen to me. There is more grace in what I've just said for you. If you're finding it hard to break through, then stop looking at yourself and what you need and put your, your hope fully into the hands of God who has already seen every need, already supplied for every need, has already gone before you this week to open the doors of favor for you and step, but walk with him boldly into your week, being a channel of God's love, a channel of God's blessing, and just watch. As you do that, he will be working all around you, bringing about his favor into your life in ways that you have never seen before. Amen? I'd be like, oh no, just give me a good word of blessing for me because I'm just struggling this one. We're going to get there. But don't keep them for yourself. Because he says, nah, I didn't come just to be held tightly. Right? You're never going to lose. Plus, I think my granny used to say this, you'll never lose what you give away. you never lose what you give away. Ever. Go for it. So shall we look at what he says in Luke 4? It's brilliant. Do you know that in... Uh, in uh, right, so... He kind of sets out the direction here. The key is to understand something, right? That when Jesus models something, yeah, it's kind of a wise man or a wise woman. You'll go, you'll find your grace when you model yourself in what Jesus did. Now, remember I said last week, the whole point is not to put yourself into the narrative and make it about you, but keep it about Jesus, right? So what we don't do is we don't go, like when I said the temptations, then we need to do the same. Because it's not about what we do, it's about what he has done and how we then receive it. That's the gospel. But what's interesting here in, the, in these, these uh, verses that we've just read is that there's, there's, um, 
He stands up to read. Let me just read it again, 17 through 19. He, st- he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he looks down for it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I absolutely love this. This this whole verse was about a day that would come when the Messiah, and I'm going to show you what, what Jesus was talking about here, when the Messiah would come and would break every chain. Before Jesus declares what he has done, he has broken the power of self. That's what the temptations were about. Go back and listen to last week's talk if you missed it. The power of self is broken. When you experience grace, it gives you the power to say no to sin and no to everything else. The law doesn't. When you're under law, you will repeat the same old stuff. Why? Because the strength of, of, the, of, the law is, of sin is the law. As soon as the prohibition comes, we want it even more. Grace comes and frees us from the prohibition. And so we now get to choose that which Jesus is going to lay out. Now, there were three. What's interesting here is he uses the word, the, the, the word Massah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has Massahed me. He has anointed me. You know, Massah, the Hebrew word, is the word for anointing. It's the, the word where we get Messiah from. Messiah meaning the anointed one. So, and, and this is why it really starts to get their goat. Because there were three verses, Massah, it says here in verse 18, uh, you know, that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now, as soon as they heard this word Massah, there were three things that happened in the Old Testament. God's people needed three offices to keep them safe and protected and connected to God. And each of those offices were anointed, were appointed, if you like, by by the um, ritual pouring of oil over an individual that set them apart in special service. And those three offices were the prophet, the priest, and the king. And what was interesting is the king, let me, I'll talk about each one of them because Jesus, what Jesus is saying to us is everything that God's people needed for their protection to stay connected, I, am the, I have been anointed for that role. And I am all of those brought together in one. Now, what was interesting is, uh, those of you who'll know who have followed my teaching over the years, you'll know that anointing, particularly of the kings, was done with the first press of the olive. And we see that Jesus' journey, I, don't have to, I definitely don't have time to go into this one today, but how, how the olive was pressed. And the first press of, of the olive was a green, uh, it was, the, it was the, best, um, the, the best olive oil that came out. It was green in color, green in the picture, in the, in the, in, in the Bible is the picture of grace. It, it speaks of newness and freshness. And it's called ranan, is this Hebrew word. And so what they would do is that in the first press of the olive, they would, it would be the anointing for the king, but also for the prophets and the priests. And they would pour this out over them. And so it was a sign. And, and so you have this sign of anointing of grace being poured onto an individual to serve and to lead. And so what happens is in the prophet, the priest, and the king, this, it's the same word, Messiah, which is used over all three of them. So Jesus, in the middle of their synagogue, in the middle of the legalists, in the middle of the lawyers, says, I am the one who has today been anointed as your prophet, your priest, and your king. Now, in those roles, this is what I'm going to do. Now, why does it matter to you? Well, as a prophet, prophets in those days, and this is where they're going to hold on a second. The prophets are the ones who are tasked with connecting us to God, speaking God's words of life to us, 
right? Proclaiming truth to us, revealing God's plans for our future, revealing the steps that we should take, you know, showing us how to live, showing us what God needs of us, what God requires, what God is like. That's what the prophets were for. And the whole way through Israel's history, God raised them up to keep them pointed towards their, their, their destination and their purpose. You know, you'd often see Jesus teaching the word of God. I, I, you know, there's loads of, you know, as he teaches in parables and all that, kind of fulfilling the role of the prophet. As a priest in the Old Testament, priests served as mediators between God and his people. It was the priests who did the sacrificing on behalf of the people. And it says, doesn't it, in 1 Timothy 2.5, that there is only one God and one mediator now between God and man. He's the man, Christ Jesus. So what he was saying was all the, all the performance of the past, all the priestly work of working hard and sacrificing and, and never sitting down and never resting and always being that stopgap between God's wrath and, and God's people, continually offering up sins for your mess. I have been anointed today to deal with that. And the last thing is uh, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Uh, the king's an interesting one. Kings were all about authority, kings were about protection. Kings were about going, if you're in my kingdom, then you're in a safe place under my rule and my authority. I will look after you. I will provide for your safety, for you and for your children and for the generations to come. In my place, there will be order. There will be authority. And Jesus, doesn't he say uh, in Matthew 28, 18, we talked about this on Wednesday night, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. It says in Philippians 2, 9, 11, he has the name that is above every name, the final authority. He's the king of kings, Revelation 19 tells us, and the Lord of lords. And one day, he'll be king in every sense, earthly and political and every other way, because the weight of government is on his shoulders. And so what we see here is in one moment for your life, see everything that you need. You need who's going to keep me revealing the heart of God to me? Who's going to be my, the final authority in my life? Do you get me? Who's going to be the one who pays the price for me? Who's going to be the one that breaks the chains for me? And Jesus says, I am anointed. I am set apart for that purpose in your life. Everything, every area of your life. See, for the people of God to flourish in those days, they needed, it's called the triumphant maximum or something, some big Latin expression, right? But they, those three offices had to be working together. And today, in the covenant of grace, you have Jesus saying, I am everyone for you. Everything that's needed for you today to succeed, to be blessed, to stay connected, to be safe from harm, to live your life fully. I am the one who is set apart for you to do that. Amen? I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't need anything else. What is your question this morning? Your answer is Jesus. What's your struggle this morning? Your answer is Jesus. What's your pressure this morning? Your answer is Jesus. What's your fear this morning? Your answer is Jesus. Because just like it says in the three temptations, that was all temptation covered in one in, the, in, that, in that piece of scripture. In those three roles, everything is covered. I guess what the Lord is saying is before we go out anywhere else, come to me with what you need. Look to me first. Don't rely on yourself and your effort, but come to the God of grace. Because it, this, this is why when, when we don't divide the word rightly, Right, where you get people going into the Old Testament, pulling out verses and going, well, the prophet said. You know when Jesus, when he was walking on the road to, from uh, Timaeus, 
after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And what did it say? It said he went back to the law and the prophets and he showed that it was all about him. If we don't, you know, listen to me, folks. There's no other gospel other than grace. Everything in the law and the prophets points to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus takes Isaiah 61 and goes, in this moment, it's been fulfilled in your hearing because I am here. Don't pick up bits of the Bible and go, the Lord gives and he takes away. Like he's going to do me in. Oh, see, Jesus slapped me like that because he did it in Lamentations 4, verse 9. Lay the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus himself over it and tell me what it means then. Because whatever your, your question is this morning, you'll only find it in the Lord and his finished work for you. Your prophet, your priest, and your king. And so from there, is that good? Is that all right? You learn something new? It's a shampoo moment, right? But then what does he do? He, he turns around, right? And he goes, because the spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed me, Right? This is starting to get their goat up, right? Starting to get their goat up. Let me just nip to the end of what he's going to say because it's brilliant. This takes place in the synagogue, right? It's where the law is preached. This is the center of the religious system. And Jesus takes the place not just of a rabbi who will teach, but of God himself in the center. What does he do? He takes, you've got to see some of the imagery here. He, he takes the role of one of the, the greatest prophets ever, one of the ones that they hung so much on, and he finds the place that specifically is talking about him clearly. He reads it out. He rolls it up. Right? Doesn't keep it open. Doesn't go, this is what we need to do. After he has finished speaking it, he rolls it up and he passes it off. Right? The picture is, all of this in the law is dealt with. Take it away. Right? Now, remember the Lord does not we're not anti-law. The law, the, the law is perfect and beautiful, just unbending. Nothing wrong with the law in, in as much as just as what it is, just we could never keep it. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law so that we could be free. But he rolls it up, signifying that this is done. And what does he do? Remember, he sits down. And what he would have done is he would have sat down in the very center, Right? So he's just said, Messiah, I'm the anointed prophet, priest, and king. And then here he is as the priest sitting down. Priests never sat down because the work was always going on. The work of saving human beings and trying to be right with God was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A priest didn't get to sit down, but I'm anointed and I'm sitting down. Take the law from me. Now let me show you a better way. It drove them nuts. It made them want to kill him. Who dare this man be to sit in our presence, in the center of it all, in the middle of our system, and say, no, that is obsolete. I am the anointed one who breaks every chain. And he sits down at a place to visualize a place of rest in his work and says, now come, let me show you what the heart of God is for you. Amen. Isn't it brilliant? Kind of missed that when you just read it. He sat down. He wasn't tired. He was just going. He sat down. And actually what would happen then he was sitting down, and, and when a rabbi would sit down in that place, what it would be for would be, come and ask me. So they would teach from that place. And so it would be a, a thing of, you can approach me and ask me and question me, and, and, that, and that's what they would have done. But never seated. 
Never seated. Why? That's outrageous. How can anyone sit before God? Right? How could anyone do that? The work's never done. You'll never be in a place to sit before the King of Kings. And Jesus says, no, no. I'm in your midst. And I am anointed for everything that you need. And then he says this. Let me quickly go through it. Are you, are you encouraged this morning so far? Yeah. Listen, I want you to think, just as I start to say this, right? As I, I read what the Lord says, I'm going to unpack every word for you and just give you exactly what he was talking about. For yourself, say yes and amen this morning. Grace upon grace. And I pray that over you this morning as you listen, that there would be grace upon grace for you, that even in the reading of God's word, that change would be broken in your life. Amen? Do you believe that? So you can open your heart this morning right now and say, Lord, even as your word is read over me, I receive it as a declaration of your truth that you are working right now in my life in Jesus' precious name because you are the anointed one. Now, also there will be people right now who the Lord will put into your mind, will put into your heart. And under the law, you'll go, well, I'm not good enough and what will ever happen? And there's no hope under the law. Do you get that? The law breaks your back. It reminds you of your inadequacy, your weakness, and your failure. There is never any hope when you put yourself under the law. But under grace, you see Jesus, and you see all of his truth and all of his promise, and it's about him and not you. It's about what he has done, not what you need to do, and so hope arises. So as people come into your heads, now even as I read it, you know, just if the Lord puts them into your mind and into your heart, it's because he's speaking to them now. Do you understand me? Have hope. It could be your sons, it could be your daughters, your husbands, your wives, your partners, your friends. I don't know, but the Lord knows. And he knows what we carry with us for people. And this is where he goes, it's not just about you. Don't try to hold me for yourself, but listen to what I'm putting in you and just say, yes, Lord, amen. Do you get that? He doesn't need you to go, oh, the Lord put them into my heart and just need to pray over them. You don't need to do that. It's just the Lord assuring you today. I'm working and I haven't stopped. Do you get me? Because this is flipping brilliant. Let's go. So he says this. He says, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Poor, poor. How do you say that? Poor, poor. Boy, she's poor, hey. That would be up there. Poor, you poor thing. Anyway, I wrestled with that one. I clearly didn't get it right. Poor has two meanings. First meaning, I just think about this. This is what the Lord says. He sits down, he says, take away the law because I'm anointed. And I'm anointed to preach good news, okay, to the poor. To those, the the word literally means this, those who are crouched and carred over like a beggar. Those who are bent over or deeply destitute. Not just a peasant, but a pauper. Isn't that amazing? Those who are so low on the inside, they're bent over. Confidence, belief, everything, hope, future, robbed from them. Now, it's not just about material things here. Preach good news to the poor, like I don't have something, so I'm going to get rich. That's not what it's about. Because it's not about any of that stuff. Sometimes the poorest people in the world have the most things. Do you get that? Don't reduce it to that. Some of the poorest people in the world have more stuff than any of us. But in our inner place, crouched over, bent over, deeply destitute. He says, I've come to preach good news to people like that. 
I've come to give them a way out. It says in verse 18, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. You know, this means the brokenhearted is in the original word, in lubab, it's linked to your heart, but in Hebrew, it's like the innermost place. And um, it says that what Jesus was saying here is here, if you're broken on the inside, like, you know, brokenness can be anything from disappointment to all sorts of stuff. Like Jesus is saying to you this morning, I know and I understand. And in knowing and understanding, I haven't come just to leave you there. What he says is, I've come to heal you. I've come to take that away from you. So he knows and he understands our brokenness. He knows and he understands the brokenness in the people around us. And today as he's seated right now at the right hand of his father in a place of authority, he wants you to know he's working, healing the brokenness in the people around you and the brokenness on the inside of you. He says here, freedom to the captives. Aphesus is this word in, our, in Greek, right? This, this is a brilliant one. It means cleared from obligation and debt. There's two meanings. Cleared from obligation and debt to be completely forgiven and completely pardoned. I think, I think that works on two levels. Number one, I think that that works on the level of stuff that, is cap, that holds us captive on the inside. How we limit ourselves in our belief and in our thinking. Hope for our future. The tapes that we play ourselves when we compare ourselves continually to other people and we always come off worse for it. Things that have, have been patterns and, and strongholds and chains on us for more years than some of us care to remember. Sometimes it's the fear of the future and will anything ever change? What will that be like for me, Lord? What is it going to be like for them? Will we ever see a turnaround? Right? And captivity looks like lots of different things. But one of the things here that, that the particular emphasis is on is around obligation and debt. Now, I know that many of us, because of what we've done in the past, feel a sense of obligation to someone or something that we're trying to do to make something better. Do you get that? Condemnation means that there's a price to be paid. When we do something wrong, a price has to be paid. And sometimes when things break, what we do is we feel obliged to pay our part for what we did when something went wrong. And the Lord said, no, let me take that. Does that make sense? What we do, take a relational breakdown. What we do is we go, well, there was part of me in that and there was part. Now, sometimes there's us paying back or trying to make good on something that happened. And the Lord goes, that's an obligation you're trying to pay that you can't. There's no debt. You might feel like it, but you have no debt. I am the one who sets you free from that. Because when there's a sense of obligation and debt, you can't live in hope. Let me replace your obligation and your debt with fresh hope for restoration for the future. Do you get that? Freedom for the captives. Absolutely love it. Need to go quick here. Recovery of sight to the blind. This is why um, it's tuflos is the word. It means mental and physical blindness. I love this. This is just where the Lord goes. It's not just about your inner state. It's about your outward state, right? This is where he starts to go. My ministry will not just be bless you, move it on. If you physically can't see, right, I'm here to say that you'll be able to see. I think, when, isn't it Wednesday fortnight? We're going to do the healing thing. I, I'm actually taking those two evenings, uh, I think. 
am I? Yes. And um, well, I am now, by the looks of it. And so I want to encourage you to come along and bring people who are sick, if you know them. Don't be embarrassed. We're going to put our hands on them and believe that God's going to heal them. Do you know why? Because Jesus said it. Jesus said, recovery of sight to the blind. He didn't mean somebody else. He meant the people that you know. And he meant the same spirit that is in you, right, will be the same spirit that brings their encounter for healing. So let's do it Wednesday night, Wednesday week, and the week after. And probably if there's more people, we'll just keep going until we see people healed and walking in their wholeness. It says, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Uh, this word oppressed means to be crushed in pieces. To set at liberty those who are crushed. To bring freedom to those who are in pieces. Isn't that amazing? Like, can you imagine them sitting there going, what on earth? The Lord's anointed me to do all of this in there. Then no wonder they went fucked out. But the great message for this is where today, whatever it is, go to the Lord first. Wherever, whatever's going on in other people's lives, bring them to the Lord first. Right? With all the best intentions that we have, and we'll try this and we'll do that, what people need is an encounter with Jesus. And they need an encounter with grace. Let me go very quick. And uh, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, that, that's just a context, is Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. It, it, was, a, it was a reference to the um, year of Jubilee, actually. And so everyone who was a slave through debt were set free. Land was given back to their original owners, all that sort of stuff. But it's interesting, this word that is used, it's not just a literal year, it's an age. So Jesus says, this is an age of unparalleled freedom, unparalleled wholeness, Freeness from, freedom from oppression, debt, shame, guilt, all paid for. And you see that the whole way through. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says this, doesn't it? Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. That word soteria, which means God rescuing us out of destruction into welfare, prosperity, safety, and preservation. That was the absolute, that was the mission of God. I love it. That's the good news that we celebrate this morning. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a wee bit more to say here, but I'm gonna leave it. Um, because we're running out of time. Can I just encourage you as you listen to me this morning? Have you been encouraged this morning in the Word? Do you see the depth of the work of Jesus there and the depth of his grace? Because see everything that he's just described there, every single thing that he has put in place for you. There's not one thing that you can do this morning other than say, thank you, Jesus. Not one thing. He doesn't need anything from you this morning. Do you know that? He doesn't demand anything from you. It's the law that demands. And it demands from you that which you can never give. It's a fool's part. It's a, it's a fool's errand to try and, you know, walk out of here today and go, well, what am Like, you know, that's great, Lord. But, you know, if years and years of, of religious crap in our heads at times just needs to be unraveled. Because this was the most, this was before Jesus did anything, before he healed anyone, before he, his first thing was, let me tell you why I came in the first place, what this grace looks like. On the inside, on the outside, around you, before you, and everything attached to you, this is a year, a time of unparalleled favor. Not reward for work done, but my favor towards you. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, as you have received today, right? As you've received today, even for those, you know, the people that God put in your heart today, just say, yes, Lord, amen. Thank you that you're working in them.
Let your heart be at rest. When Jesus sat down, he was at rest. And he said, remember, let me take you right back to the beginning. This has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let me say the same thing today. You've heard it today, have you? Then it's been fulfilled. Say yes and amen. Keep your eyes on the one who gave it all for you. Walk into this week with hope in your heart, with faith and courage, right? Don't go on the back foot and the defensive with anyone. Do not let the spirit of the age talk you down, condemn you, any of that stuff. As the Lord's put it into your hand this week, just let it flow out and really see what he'll do. Amen? Why don't we all stand? We're gonna take uh, communion. Worship guys, can you get up and get ready? That'd be good. And we're also going to get ready to take our offering this morning, which will come down through the aisles. You know, if there, if there was somebody um, specifically that God put on your heart, even as I was preaching today, you know, Reach out this week and just share some love with them. Reach out and just share some love with them. I believe that, um, let me just say, I, I feel the Lord is saying this. You can weigh it up for yourself. It's not for everybody, but for some people. There's things that you have felt, the word is intimidated. The situation intimidates you. It causes fear. It causes you to crouch down. The Lord says, stand up. Stand up. There will be no intimidation that will keep the people of God. No fear of judgment. No fear of anything will keep God's people down. So he says, stand up. Don't face the problem. Face me and I will face the problem. Do you get that? But the Lord says, you can't look into my eyes when you're looking down at the ground, intimidated. There is no condemnation and no intimidation over you. And I break the power of that today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your body broken. Father, we thank you that today, because your body was broken for us, Lord, we can be healthy and whole and healed. Amen. You know what you need to do? If you've got, a, if you've got a, an ache or a pain or a wee bit of a, I don't know, something going on, right? Before you eat this morning, just say, Lord, thank you for healing my whatever. Name the condition and speak your healing over it. Thank you for healing my knee. Thank you for healing my blood pressure. Thank you for healing my whatever, all right? Because what I normally do when I'm sick is I remind myself that Jesus today doesn't have the condition that I have. So as he is, so am I. So just say, Lord, thank you that today you're not sick or in any kind of dysfunction. Thank you, Lord, that my blood pressure is, is normal and whole and healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we eat. And Father, we thank you for your cup. We thank you, Father, that because your blood was poured out for us, we are healed and whole. Lord, but every curse is broken. To speak over you today, church, every curse is broken over your life. No condemnation, shame, or guilt. No intimidation. 
The blood of Jesus has set you free from it all. He is your prophet, your priest, and your king today. He looks after you. He keeps you connected to the Lord. He speaks words of life into you, into you every day. Whatever you need, the answer is found in his finished work, which was bought by his blood poured out. So we drink off this today, Lord, and we thank you that over us and our homes and our households, there is safety, protection, provision, and favor. And all God's people said, amen. What we're going to do, we're going to worship. Um, we're going to worship with this last song, yeah? And... Um, then as that song is going on, probably the, the offering will come through. Um, can, can I just say this? As, as in terms of the offering, remember so generously. Uh, there's no cost of living crisis in heaven this morning, all right? And the Spirit of the Lord, uh, honestly, I, I just think it's, an, I think it's, there's so much fear out there. Monkey, po- monkey pox, wise up. <laughs> I did, do you know what? I had it written down, but it didn't go there because it would have gone on a rant. <laughs> monkeypox. Try not to laugh, but you just go look. How much more fear can they serve up? Is anyone just? Uh, I'm. I'm just. I'm done with fear. Yeah. Anyone going? I'm not even going to buy into the narrative anymore. Jesus, a thousand may fall at once, a ten thousand on the or it's not going to come near me. In fact, I'm not even sure that it's really there to come near me anyway. I'm pretty much done with being manipulated by whoever. I look into your eyes this morning, Jesus. Say no to fear. No to fear. Thank you, Lord, that when it comes to our provision, Lord, you've already made a way. So, Father, we give our tithes, our offerings, and we sow generously, Lord, knowing that you're our provider. Lord, it comes from you. You're our source. Not our own effort, cleverness, intelligence, connections, network, employer, anything else. It's about you, Jesus, and you alone in your favor. So, Lord, as we give, we know, Lord, that there is no lack in you. Father, you supply supernaturally and abundantly into our lives. And all God's people said, amen.